And so what I want to do, what I see so often is people poking holes in other people's paradigms. Right. Which I don't think is helpful. It's gotten out of control It's gotten these days. out of control. Say, I poked a little hole in your paradigm, therefore you should abandon your paradigm. Yeah, and you're and, stupid too. And, and you're stupid for believing in your paradigm. Well, right. That's just not helpful at all. I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. Now you got a topic for the hopper, right? I do. So I got a topic today that I've been wanting to talk about for quite a while. And I know it's something that... um, I think you, that you're passionate about as well, and that's mm-hmm. so. Our, our, the topic is uh, on the nature of paradigms. Yeah. When I was a freshman in college, I took a class in Origins, and I read a book, uh, one of the most um, uh, transformational books in um, science of the last hundred years or so. The book is called "The Structure of Scientific Revolutions" by Thomas Kuhn. Have you read that one? I have not. Yeah. It's regarded as one of the most influential books. Uh, it's hard to boil such a book down into sh- a short lesson, but um, I had one huge takeaway from that book, and it's still a huge impact on me from the, my freshman year. Um, he was working mostly with scientific paradigms, but it applies to any sort of paradigms. Uh, a paradigm is a set of assumptions or a working model to explain a whole bunch of data. So this guy, Thomas Kuhn, he talks about like uh, the geocentric paradigm of the universe where the earth is the center of everything and everything revolves around the earth, right? A long, long time ago, that's what right. scientists believe. It explains so much of the data. We see the moon come up in the sky and then it falls again. We see the sun and the stars. They do the same thing. When you look at all that, you say, oh, we must be, they're all revolving around the earth. Right. right? So it makes sense. That's the geocentric paradigm. And when ancient people adopted this paradigm, Christians came along and they said, well, that just makes sense. God created this world special with humans. God became a human in Jesus. So it just makes sense that we are the center and everything in the universe revolves around us. Right. Right. But then there were a few nagging questions in the scientific research, right? Because the moon's orbit uh, around us, um, now that actually makes a lot of sense, but the sun's orbit seems to follow that sort of, but the planets definitely are not. Right. The planets are not falling in line with everything else. And so people said, well, it's just that we don't understand it. They weren't sure. Until Copernicus and Galileo, they came, they championed a new paradigm, right, that the sun is the center and we are one of many things that revolve around the sun. Right. That was almost impossible for people to believe at first because it's hard to change your paradigm. But that new heliocentric paradigm, sun-centered paradigm, it fit all the data way better than the geocentric paradigm. And eventually people saw the truth, and there was a massive shift, and now we all believe that the sun is the center of the universe, or not the universe, of the solar system, and that all the planets, we all revolve around it. And so the interesting thing that I want to talk about is, is how we shift paradigms. Right. And that's what he's trying to describe in the book. When someone has a paradigm about whatever it is, about personality theory or about the age of the universe or about how to interact with social media or about addictions or political parties or racism or whatever, right? Right. Generally speaking, um, if, you ha- if you're trying to change someone's paradigm, 
then poking holes in that paradigm does not help them to switch from one paradigm to another. All scholars before Copernicus, they knew that the planets didn't behave properly, according to the paradigm. And they knew that there was a hole in that paradigm. But it's the best explanation they had, so they kept with it. Right. Because it explains everything better than anything else. And the only way to switch is to have a better paradigm that fits the data better. And so what I want to do, what I see so often is people poking holes in other people's paradigms. Right. Which I don't think is helpful. It's gotten out of control It's gotten these days. out of control. Say, I poked a little hole in your paradigm, therefore you should abandon your paradigm. Yeah, and you're and, stupid too. And, and you're stupid for believing in your paradigm. Well, right. That's just not helpful at all. It's very easy to poke holes in someone else's paradigm, but it's not persuasive or helpful. If we see somebody with a deficient paradigm, um, that what we got to do is build a better paradigm. So that's my point of that, that's the first point of application. But the other is this: uh, I, I want us all to be honest about the holes that are in our own paradigm. Even if I I, I can hold to a paradigm up and say, you know what, there's deficiencies in my paradigm. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a better explanation for the data, so I got to stick with what I got. Um, the last thing I want to say, and then I'll, I'll I want to see your response is, I'm talking about paradigms where it's a set of data, and you really have to go with one explanation or another, um, or there might be multiple ones or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what I mean is, it's not something. There are some things where I'm more and more persuaded over time, slowly by slowly, and it you know I'm more and more convinced of God's goodness and his truth and his grace that happens slowly over time that's yep. not a paradigm shift uh-huh. a paradigm shift is like from the yeah from the geocentric universe to the you know whatever right. those kind of things so they're, they're these big things and you can't do a halfway point right it's one or the other anyway what do you think yeah so first of all i wanted to back up and say uh there might be people who don't know what a paradigm is yeah so let's talk about that oh and, i'm sorry and, and kind of maybe maybe spell it out in in a wider swath uh, so I would want to include in that like a your world view, world view, sure. Your li- or what's people call life view or something, um, and or just in terms of theology, we talk about systematic theology. That's right. That's right. So biblical theology is looking at a passage of the yeah. Bible and using exegesis and determining what that passage is saying. Yes, that's right. And then you look in the context of that letter. Systematic theology, you're going to take these various parts of the Bible and you come up with a system of yeah, doctrine. That's right. That's right. And, and both you and I have had a system of doctrine that has shifted dramatically. Yeah. So for sure. when when you're looking at all these different passages, they have to make sense together. Yes. And they they don't always do that. Mm-hmm. And That's so right. they're, they're holes in the paradigm, That's so right. to speak. And That's right. and then you uh, and so you're right that people are always arguing by criticizing. It's always easy to criticize any kind of leadership, whoever's in the office of the White House or any any kind of of station is going to be horribly criticized because it's easy, so to, easy to do. do. So easy to do. You're sitting on your duff and you can look at what someone else is trying to do, right. how they're trying to build, how they're trying to lead, how they're trying right. to start something, yeah. and you can just criticize it. Yep. Um, and so that's what has happened with our culture. And so even in Christian circles, oh, you, you're you a Calvinist? What kind of idiot are you? Right. right. And, yeah. Because uh, look at, look, I can poke a hole. It's, um, look at I, this passage. Look yeah. at this passage. I had a professor um, in seminary at Dallas Seminary that used to tell us some of you are going to become Presbyterians and some Lutherans and some Baptists and some Methodists, whatever, whatever kind of Christian you're going to become. 
the way that you determine what kind of what kind of theology you're going to have is which Bible verses are you going to ignore, right? Right, and it's those are the whole passages. Like, there's we yeah. don't have a really clear paradigm that fits everything perfectly. We just right. don't. And and we had seminary professors who refused to allow us to write papers that were critical. Remember That's that? right. You had to espouse a view and build your argument and and put forth. Uh, a, a paradigm. That's right. A worldview, a perspective, a systematic theology. You you had to produce that and defend it, and that's, that's right. a much more difficult and worthwhile endeavor. Much. And the world needs to do that. They if they if you want to convince someone, you're right of your political situation. You believe you're a Democrat, you're a Republican. You want to convince the other side. You cannot do that by throwing grenades across the aisle. Exactly. It don't. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, it, it, it just causes more tribalism, but what we need is to have rational bridge building conversations where we're trying to understand the other point of view and, and be willing to have paradigm shifts because the data, the evidence, the arguments we've, we've truly engaged with them honestly. And we can say, okay, they've made a really good point. Now, how do I reconcile that with all the other points? How do I build this system so that everything is coherent and makes sense? Yeah. Um, and, you know, even today, I think people don't even care how rational their thoughts are. So that's a, actually, in one sense, I think a different paradigm that it yeah. doesn't matter if things are coherent. Yeah. And I struggle with that. That's that, I think that that comes from a base understanding or uh, belief that the world is completely chaotic and there's no actual order to it. Yeah. So we'd, we'd have to produce a... Uh, evidence and yes yeah if we want to shift that paradigm we need to to provide something worthwhile yeah to say that the world does have order there is chaos i'm not saying that there's no chaos there's not nothing that we can't understand i think there's a lot that we can't understand um but i think that the world is ordered yeah, yeah. wasn't it schaefer that talked about uh, apologetics in terms of pointing out people's inconsistencies yes that's right um and that, he said, was a risky business and needed to be done with utmost care. Yes. Um, and uh, that's kind of what we're talking about. If, it if is. that's all that you do, that's problematic. Completely. Um, but it can be part of your conversation if, if you are providing an alternative that makes more sense. Yes. Yes, that's right. Um, that's, that, yeah, that is um, a necessary but insufficient piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But building our own paradigms and advocating for them, I think is good. It's hard, but it's good. And we need more of yeah. them. Tell me, what were some of your biggest paradigm shifts? Yeah. Um, the biggest one, I think, for me has been um, theological. Part uh-huh. of that, I think, is because it gets to the core of who I am, not only as a person and in relationship with God, but also it, it affects my prof- profession as a minister of the gospel tremendously, of course. And so, but. I was um, a dispensationalist, and I was an Arminian, and I switched from that to covenant theology, uh, to Calvinism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was not easy. Yeah. That was not easy. But um, I I was looking at the evidence and saying, there's lots of holes in this dispensationalism. There's lots of holes in this Arminianism in terms of what I see in the world and what I see in Scripture and just logic and language. And... Then I'm looking at looking listening to people who are describing this other model, and I'm thinking that makes way more sense of what I read in the Bible. That makes way more sense of what I see in the world and what I see of God. 
And um, it happened over a pretty short time. Yeah, I've had the same shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everyone starts off in Christendom as an Arminian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, not everyone. I know, I'm, I'm being, okay, I'm being right. dramatic there, um, right. uh, hyperbolic. But, uh, you know, when... When Presbyterians came to the New Land, yeah. uh, which they, we have a, a longer-rooted history than, yes. than Baptists, but they had such high requirements yes. and standards for their preachers that that we couldn't spread across the frontier like the Baptists could. And I think when you look at the you know the the older states in the South, especially, uh, they are they have a Baptist paradigm. That's right. And and That's right. and and so you're having to shift from the Arminian. Um, roots to the Calvinist roots. And so uh, a lot of people are viscerally opposed to Calvinism yeah. because it, it's challenging what they've always known as Christendom. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, it's, so it, th- that's, that's a real challenge, right? And so challenge. I've, I've known so many people who have had that shift because they've been, they've been reading their Bibles and trying to reconcile what they see there. You read Ephesians 1, Romans 9, all kinds of places. Right. And you, you say, how does this work? Yeah, yeah. And they start to have that shift. Another professor at seminary used to, um, this was at Dallas Seminary, uh, Dan Wallace. He told me that um, people, he, he is a Calvinist, and there are people who would come to him, students, occasionally that would uh, hear that he's a Calvinist and want to argue with him about that. And so they would come, and they would start arguing with him, and he would say, wait, wait, wait. Um, I, I want to have this conversation with you, but before we do, I want you to go home and I want you to read Romans 9 and pray about it. And so then they would say, okay, yes, sir. And then they would go and do that. And they would come back. And he said, invariably, they would start out by saying, yeah, but. Right. And he said, well, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I haven't said anything yet. If you're saying, yeah, but, you're arguing with the Scripture. Right. Right. I've had the same thing. That's your interpretation. I haven't interpreted anything yet. I've just... Just just let me read it out (laughs) loud. Just read the words that are there. Yeah. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and and, um, I don't want to get too far off, but you know, Paul even says in the midst of describing uh, God's sovereignty in choosing us, that you should at this point, have the questions of partiality, yeah, right? right? Hey, you know, if, if this is true, then God's unfair. Right. You should be asking yourself that. Well, if you're asking yourself that, then you're understanding what he's saying. Right. And that's that helps me to see that, oh, yes, this is working in the world. That's exactly what I was thinking, and he's anticipating that. And so this, this model explains what's going on in Scripture better than my previous model. Yeah. 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 Another big one that has changed for me, I don't want to get off too much into that. We can talk about that yeah, that's in, a, in the future. We can throw it back in the hopper. Um, another one that's changed for me significantly is, in, I mentioned earlier, personality theory. So thinking about personalities, I used to really, um, when I first heard about the DISC system, D-I-S-C, right. Right, of personalities, that goes back to Aristotle, I think. Um, it's, I mean, ancient Greeks for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. I mean, I just to categorize people that way and to think about how to interact with folks. And it was so helpful. And I see Jesus doing the same thing. And then, but there were times when like, for me personally, I'm not, I'm a, I'm either a C or a D, but I'm not sure which. And I don't really fit squarely in, as a C and I don't really fit squarely as a D either. Right. But I'm certainly not an I or an S. And it didn't quite fit, but it was the best I had, so that's what I had. Then when I, later on, I learned about Myers-Briggs, and I really went into that one. And, oh, my goodness, when I read about the INTJ with Myers-Briggs, that fits me to a T, hmm. to a T. And so then all of a sudden, like, oh, this explains the data 
of my experience way better than than the disk system. Hmm. Which, when I read the disk system, it was like, oh, this explains everything. It's awesome. But then, okay, something but there's holes, came along, but yeah. something better came along. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Have do you have you interacted with the personality systems at all? I've taken numerous personality tests, sure. and they uh, I don't lock into anyone in yeah. particular, yeah. Uh, and it it seems to change based on the circumstance. So, you know, they say I want you to think about a certain context when you take this exam. Well, depending on what context I'm thinking of, it'll it'll change. It'll change, sure. Yeah, sure. And so I've I've taken the the DISC and the yeah. Myers Briggs and um and uh, an Enneagram, Enneagram yeah. and and there's another yeah. one I can't remember the name of it, but it was, it was much more. Or, uh, exhaustive. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I wasn't even sure I understood some of the results. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're interesting. Yeah. I, I, I take interest in them, but I kind of hold them loosely. Sure. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. And another thing, I th- you know, we're, we're dynamic people. We yes, do, we do we change and san- we get do. sanctified and things, right. things improve and, and areas where we're, we're just overboard to start yeah. to calm down. Yeah. And sure. that's by God's grace. Sure. But, I used to believe that um, the Earth was created very recently, mm-hmm. and now I believe that it's very old, and that's also that was also a huge. That's change a for great me. topic for the hopper. We we should talk about that. Yeah, let's put that in the hopper. Um, but that's one that that okay. I'm looking at the evidence, and I think okay, from scripture and from science, and I see you know, an old Earth is it better fits the data. Yeah, but it's a paradigm. It's a paradigm. right, and right. that was a paradigm shift for me. Let's build better paradigms rather than blowing holes in other people's paradigms. I think that's a good point. So we record in a variety of days and times and all that. And today yeah. it's Saturday. It's Saturday today. Yeah, Saturday afternoon. Yep. And this morning, guess what I did? I have no idea what you did I this went morning. yard sailing. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So I like to yard sail. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I, I got you something. Are you serious? I did. Okay. I got you the Rocky Four <laughs> video. Yeah. And the... Popeye with Robin Williams. Wow, look at that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Since they're some of your guilty pleasures. They they are, both of them. They're fantastic. Yeah, now if you already have those, I'll take them back and if the kids don't want to watch them, we'll shoot them with a pellet gun or something. I I do have them, but I kind of want to keep a spare. (laughs) Those are good. I love those movies. Yeah, so um, I like the yard sale. Uh, Do you? Yeah, it's kind of weird. I know it's like an old person... uh, characteristic but well, I, well I, i'm getting there okay and when my back was herniated i was really there you yeah know, I was, oh yeah i was going to the ymca and hanging out in the hot tub with elderly folk in, oh, the, my in the morning hours and trying to loosen up and then swimming yeah. in the pool and oh yeah having the same conversations with one you know lady over and over oh right and i was like this is this is my life you know i don't run anymore like you do i have to sure. walk so yes I, I i walk a lot and um you anyway, walk around the mall and yeah, yeah. that's right <laughs> <laughs> and uh so yard sailing yeah it, oh, okay yeah so there's a there's a technique to it okay uh, yeah so first of all yeah. i get up and i look at facebook marketplace all right and i map out yard sales and if it and they have pictures often wow okay yeah so yeah, you can you're kinda, serious you can, you can vet your yard sales all this right. way okay uh-huh. and a lot of yard sales are like women's clothes yeah and, and knickknacks that yeah. I don't care about. Yeah, forget and, that. And a lot of baby gear because sure, sure. babies go through stages and then you got to pass that stuff along. Right. It's just taking up, up space. Your house. Yeah. 
And so I, I'm avoiding all those things. Sure. Right? And so I, I'm finding more interesting yard sales, and I map them in my, my Maps app, and then I create a route. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, Saturday morning. I know it's, it's, it's a little bit odd, isn't it? But is that typical? Do you do that most Saturdays? Well, it, it, yard sailing is like a seasonal thing, right? Fair it's enough. Like spring okay, so and during fall. the season. Yeah, spring and fall, I will spend Saturday mornings often. Wow. Yard sailing for like a couple hours. Yeah. And what I like about it is it's similar to painting or to running or things that we've talked about in okay. the past as far as like the mental break. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm an extrovert. Yeah, I like to get out. There's like energy. Yeah, you you, you run into people. I drive, yeah. and the, the, typically the weather's nice, or I don't yeah. go. Um, and you you see neighborhoods. You know, we just moved to this town, so right, I'm, right. I'm learning neighborhoods and roads. And okay, I and can another see that. thing you do is you uh you, you treat yourself. You you get some some beverage you really like. Okay, yeah. So yeah. Uh, what's your what's your beverage? Well, one of them is uh, is a frappe from McDonald's, a caramel frappe, which, okay. which is really like an adult Slurpee. Yeah, it's with a Slurpee. coffee in it. Yeah, yeah that's it's, right. It's sugary and delicious. Yeah, and you, you and I have talked about sugar. Yeah, it's almost straight corn syrup, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's got to be terrible for me. Yeah, and so uh-huh. it, it's on rare occasions, and so it's kind of a treat. Sure, you know? yeah. So I'll get that and kind of Perfect. nurse that thing for a couple hours. Okay, and, yeah, and uh, just kind of take a leisurely day. Uh huh. There's no pressure. Yeah. It has the same mental effect that painting does. I forget about other things. All right. I can do as much or as little as I want. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I vet the yard sales. I make a route. I get myself a special beverage, and I, I go on my treasure hunt. Yeah. And of course, you, you never know what you're going to find. For sure. Um, and another thing that makes yard sailing good is if you're looking for something. Sure, yeah. Some people collect things. I knew a guy yes. who collected everything Buzz Lightyear, for example. Oh, yeah, okay. So it had Buzz Lightyear, he was making a collection of that. Yeah. Uh, I don't collect anything other than maybe some DVDs. Okay. Uh, I look for canvases. So oh, yeah. So why would I go to, to Michael's or some Hobby Lobby and pay $40 for a canvas when I can pay a dollar? Right. Slap some gesso over the canvas and use that. Yeah. So I look for canvases, DVDs, some books here uh-huh. and there, but yeah. not too many books. And then just you never know. Yeah. So today I, I, I got these, uh, you know, the grill surface of my grill. Uh-huh. Th- these things are really nice. They're porcelain. Oh, yeah, they're high quality. I, I got three of them for okay. two dollars. Oh my goodness! Um, now what's now? I knew that I needed those uh, because I, you know, I, when I saw them, it reminded me of this. Otherwise, I, let me tell you what would have happened. I'd be grilling on the same rusty, broken, nasty yeah, right. grill surface. Yeah. And after about four times, I would finally remember to pick some up, and I would go to like. Lowe's or Home Depot or right. Amazon, and I I dropped thirty nine dollars on or, or more, right, or fifty dollars on, on, on some grill, cheap one, on some grill replacement, yeah, parts. And this I find, and it was oh yeah, you know what? I need those. Yeah, there's three of them. They're high quality and they're two dollars. Oh my goodness, yeah, um, perfect. So, yeah, so I I kind of like that. That's great. That's great. <laughs> so anyway, Popeye for you. Yeah, look at that. Rocky for. I am what I am, and that's all that I am. <laughs> I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So, Thank you so much. Yeah, that's a little little hobby that I, I've gotten into. Okay, you go by yourself. Well, sometimes, and yeah. other times, uh, some members of the family. I got teenagers in the house. They yeah, sleep sure. in on Saturday. Oh yeah. Okay. You know, I, I wake up six, seven, eight, depending. Yeah. You know, I don't set an alarm or anything. I just yeah. when, when I wake up, I check the the Facebook marketplace. Yeah, you and get I, going. Yeah. Head out and around eleven o'clock or so, I start to feel like I'm being unproductive and I uh-huh. need to get something done. And, yeah. and it's kind of you know, I know that I'm done. Yeah, sure. But for the first couple hours, it's just it's nice, it's leisurely. Yeah, hobby for you know, I'm, I'm gonna make a great retiree. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. 
Yeah, so speaking of paradigm shifts, uh, I just got you your your one of your favorite movies there, Rocky Four. Rocky Four. Yeah, did did do you have a paradigm shift from watching that movie? Did you <laughs> <laughs> did you learn to love Russians during the <laughs> during the Cold War? I mean, if Rocky can change, can't you change too? Well, I when I first watched, yeah, when I first watched it, not at all. I, it was completely <laughs> lost on me. But yeah, they try to turn it at the end, right? Here's this hated guy. It's yeah. such a. It's so cliche. It's you say it's my favorite movie. I I gotta be careful because I I, rec- I fully recognize it's one of the worst <laughs> movies ever made. Yeah, yeah. And yet I love it right. because it is so cheesy and so cliche. But okay, so they got this horrible, horrible Russian guy, right? Dolph. And, Dolph. Yeah, that's right. Um, Dolph Lundgren is that his name? Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, he's anyway. not actually Russian though, but no, he's not. He was playing the Russian. Playing the Russian, right? Right. He had like one line, right? Yeah, I must it was break very, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he dies, he it dies. dies. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible, and I just love it so much. It's um, and okay. Anyway, but they tried at the end to make him, even though he's been like this evil character this entire time. Yeah. They tried to soften him a little bit. Right by by, so he turns a little bit, and he's he yeah. recognizes in the ring at the, on the last he recognizes that he is being controlled by right. the, the political. You know what changed his paradigm? The great big American heart of Rocky Balboa. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, he's like this guy. He he is a lover and a fighter. Right. I need to be more like him. But then he went over and you know continued to try to win, and Rocky just beat him into the ground. And yeah. Oh man, it's so cheesy. Yeah. It's yeah. awful. It is. It is. Uh, it's funny. You know what uh, really helped me uh, love Russians more okay. was seeing uh, Vladimir Putin ride around without a shirt on on his horse. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my hate of Russian, my paradigm of hate of Russians is, is now must change because yeah. of... <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we grew up watching Red Dawn, you know? Yeah, like, uh-huh. Think, like daydreaming about there's going to be some big conflict yeah. with the Russians. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And of course, we're older now and, yeah. and the, the Russian economy collapsed and they've had a numer- you know, numerous changes in mm-hmm. their politics. And um, how do you feel about them now? You know, it's it's mixed. I have mixed feelings about Russia, although I'm not saying a whole lot of that, that doesn't mean a whole lot because I have mixed feelings about America, really. Sure. Uh, much stronger feelings, both love and hate for America than I do for Russia. Right. But I got mixed feelings. You know, my, one of my brothers is Russian. Uh huh. Um, and he was adopted when he was 14 years old, uh, but he grew up in Russia. And so um, I talked with some about so that has a lot to do with my feelings yeah. about Russia. Um, but, you know, there's there's incredible beauty in the culture and some really horrible um shameful things as well i guess like any place yeah for sure i think the more i've learned about their history the more compassion i've had sure uh mm-hmm. there's they've had a lot of struggle yeah that's right and uh they've gone through a, i mean most of the deaths in world war Two, of course were, yes. were russians oh and vast majority yeah pretty much broke the back of the german yeah. war machine right um just by attrition yeah and so uh that's that should be noted. Absolutely. That's yeah. one thing. And then there's many, many others sure. as well. Anyway. Yeah, funny. And and Popeye, he shifted your paradigm uh, <laughs> with, about spinach, right? Spinach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, spinach is nasty, green seaweed, and now it bows up your forearms. Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so. It turns you into a wrecking machine. <laughs> Well, that's, you know, I didn't even think about it. Both of those movies that I like and are both terrible movies are both about these fighting people who are kind of 
uh, willing to fight, but kind of reluctant. And yeah, I'm going to put my Freud hat on now and oh, psychoanalyze man. you, man. Yeah. The underdog coming uh, up, rising above. Maybe you need a, to go to a meat locker and punch the meat a little bit. Oh, man, we got to stop right here. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Hopper Podcast. Now it's your turn to join in the conversation. What paradigm shifts have you encountered? Uh, what do you really like about Rocky Four? <laughs> Write us at thehopperpodcast at gmail.com or record a short voice memo on your phone and send it to thehopperpodcast at gmail.com. Let's keep the conversation going about things that matter and things that don't. And join us next time when we'll discuss Feral Mogwai. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. They're running all over the country. Oh, yes. There's a movie about it. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure someone needs to hear that. Yeah. If you know that person, be a pal. Tell them about the show. Send them a link. And if they still don't listen, put hot sauce on their cereal. The Hopper Podcast is produced by the help of Fainting Goats in Sunglasses. Hey, be sure to subscribe or follow. You don't want to miss that episode about Mogwai. No, you sure don't. Sorry.